Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the July 24, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. When the year began, the buy and sell market in Canada was humming right along. It wasn't record-breaking by any means, but it was strong and dealerships were changing hands with some frequency. And then COVID-19 struck, and everything changed. So who's selling now? And who's buying in this climate? What are buyers looking for? What are the sticking points when it comes to getting more deals done? We'll get the answers to those questions and more when I speak with Mike Lewicki of Lewicki Automotive Consulting Limited on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Mike, thanks for joining me on the show today. Greg, I'm happy to be here. Great. Let's go back in time to start this one. Um, What was the buy and sell market like earlier in the year before the pandemic? How were things shaping up for the year before we were struck by COVID-19? The, the, the buy and sell market for our new vehicle dealerships in Canada pre-COVID-19, um, it was, quite frankly, terrific. All right. It, it really it wasn't quite the peak. I would say the peak was kind of early 2000 and early 19. OK, uh, late 18. But once we got once we got to about Christmas of 2000 and 19 it, it slowed down a bit as it always does for christmas um there were a number of deals underway at that point in time and didn't get closed by christmas they likely didn't get closed at all before covid hit in in march and uh and in april but to answer the question it it was a terrific MA market um with lots of lots of transactions going on um and it was very very much um a, a seller's market at that point in time with sellers uh, driving the car per se on terms of deals. So in March, the pandemic strikes dealerships are shut down in, in two of the biggest markets, Ontario and Quebec. Um, yeah. A lot of uncertainty. So what changed? How did that dynamic change between March and even now? Because we're not fully recovered in every aspect of the economy. So I just wonder what has changed? How has the um, buy-sell market changed since um, about March 12th? Yeah. Start, starting around, I'm going to say late February, because the, the early signs were there Okay, for those very intuitive buyers. You get into March and... And you say, you, the best way I could describe it is that the transactions slowed down. OK, they didn't necessarily stop, but they slowed down where everybody, both on the, the buyer side and the seller side, uh, were, were looking at what was happening in Canada and the USA. And nobody was really in a rush at that point in time to buy. All right. Because we didn't know what was going on, quite frankly. Um, and therefore, the deals didn't fall off the table then, but they did slow down i mean there was communications between the buyers and sellers at that point in time but there was nothing really getting done okay given the uniqueness of the situation that you know if we roll out of march and april into may now you know june july 
it's gotten better, quite frankly. I mean, there are now deals slowly getting done. Okay, it's recovered a bit, but it's a far cry from what it was. Is it that there is a lack of interest in buying dealerships because of the uncertainty or are there people holding on to the dealerships now waiting to see if they can get more for them later? I just wonder which side of the coin is most responsible for the slowdown and why? Okay, the 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 the, the principal answer to that would be it's generally on the buy side, all right, where the buyers uh, are and quite understandably, much more cautious about what they're willing to spend. And and there are some trends out there that we're seeing, okay, with both the buyers and the sellers that we can talk about briefly. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, from a from a, a, a buyer's trend or a buyer's issue point of view, um, a couple of, of high-level points would be the buyers, given what's happening in their own dealerships, right, where they've got fires burning in their own kitchens, right, their existing right. dealerships, as I think we've discussed before, um, they're focused on putting out the fires in their own kitchens, let alone before they go and buy somebody else's kitchen. So they got right. they got to, and it also it it causes them to really focus or refocus more. Um, with an alignment on what's their core brand, what's their core geography, um, as as opposed to reaching for a new brand or reaching for a new geographical footprint. So it's causing them to, the, the buyers are much more refocused on their, their core business concepts. Um, secondly, uh, I would say the buyers, uh, those issues are, um, they're more strategically growth oriented strategy being strategic being long-term thinking. Okay. Uh, with the necessary re- proper return on investment versus the need to buy to grow. Right. Which doesn't gotcha. necessarily have a lot of strategy to it other than you're buying to grow. So again, they're more strategic in, in, in their growth points right now um the third point for a a buyer or the 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 trends would be there seems to be now uh some some sources of alternative financing out there um we are seeing an increased interest from the private equity market in new vehicle dealerships um because they are the private equity guys are looking at the long term and saying hey we like the return on investment here uh, it's kind of a newer market for them, not for all of them, but for some of them. And they want to uh, play around a little bit in, in that market. So although financing has, uh, for, for purchases, has dwindled a bit from the goodwill financing from the traditional sources, it's kind of been replaced with interest from private equity. So that's one more trend. And the last thing I would say on, on the buyer side is they're trying to be opportunistic, both with their deals and on on the valuations, i.e., they don't they don't want nobody ever wants to overpay, especially um, in what is now again a buyer's market as opposed to a seller's market. And it's been a seller's market for so long up until now. On the seller's side, briefly, um, their trends would be many of their balance sheets are stressed. Um, not all of them, but some of them will have banking relationships that are going to need much more management okay, as a result of having a stress balance sheet. Um, 
Also, some of the sellers are experiencing industry headwinds um, and maybe the the decision to internally make up their own minds. Do they really want to go through this again for another cycle? Um, That's an issue. Uh, A couple more. Some of the buyers are now moderating their valuation expectations, um, whereas before in a seller's market, that really wasn't the case. And lastly, a lot of the sellers are experiencing margin compression in their business, which is obviously hurting profits and therefore uh, valuations. You you mentioned, you know, strategic growth. Um, Uncertainty like this in business, in any business, we've seen it in manufacturing, um, when it comes to investment, the uncertainty is tough to predict. Does that make it hard to strategically grow, as you said, to be able to forecast what can I do with this dealership if I buy it? It, it, it certainly, the risk profile, okay, is certainly higher, right? Be- yep. Simply because of the nature of the pandemic. I mean, there is no playbook on this thing, right? Like we we don't know for a fact how long it goes on for, um, and quite frankly, I think that the, the general understanding in in the marketplace for all business is that the pandemic, uh, the consumer confidence isn't going to completely be restored until we either get a vaccine, okay, or a very very um, effective therapy, okay, for folks that actually catch it. When we get that. That'll put the risk profile of most consumer-related businesses back to where it was, uh, in which case then the risk profile goes down and people can strategically plan uh, a whole lot easier because then they can go back to their old playbooks. You mentioned geography. Um, I want to talk geography. We've seen Calgary's Foundation Automotive and Nova Scotia Steel Auto Group buy in Texas. Uh, Rafi out of Windsor has expanded in Ohio. Is yeah. this a trend we'll uh, continue to see Canadian groups expanding in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I, I think it is, Greg. Um, I think the number of opportunities south of the border is obviously uh, much more significant than it would be north of the border. Um, and it's just a great way as well to diversify risk for a Canadian dealer to move some of their capital into a uh, a different geographic market that is similar to Canada, but not exactly the same. What makes the U.S. attractive? Is it that we are similar and that they are just bigger, so there's more opportunity? What makes America, even in this circumstance and even in the short term, uh, attractive to a buyer? Um, uh, number one, it's, it's their automotive market. I mean, we, we have a very, in normal times, we have a very good automotive retail market for new vehicles and new vehicle dealerships. Um, as good as it is, the American market is so much better. And the reason for that is the typical American consumer has significantly more disposable income after tax to spend on things like cars and, and trucks. And they turn over their cars and trucks um, more often than Canadian consumers do. Um, they're less likely to fix their, their older vehicles as often as Canadians do. Um, and um, th- those, are, those are the primary the primary things. Now, the downside of that is, of course, the competition in the United States is so much greater as well okay, yep. than 
than in the Canadian market. The Canadian market is, continues to be over-dealered. And I think everyone listening today would, you know, that has dealer principle behind their name would, would agree to that easily enough. But as, as, as over-dealered as the Canadian market is, the American market is, is so much more competitive as as well. And um, generally speaking, uh, there's a long history of Canadian retailers, not dealerships, but retailers in general that have tried to take their Canadian model south of the border and had it not succeed so well. Um, I applaud the, the dealers that you indicated earlier that have taken steps to move into the United States. You'll notice, though, that I, I think, for the most part, for those couple of groups that we talked about, it's a it's a it's a, a toe in the water just to test it out, as opposed to a, a massive migration south of the border. We'll hear more from Mike Lewicki after this short break. The COVID nineteen pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Welcome back to the show where we're joined by Mike Lewicki, head of Lewicki Automotive Consulting Limited. Given the surge in cases of COVID-19 in several states, and one of them is Texas, and there's yeah. no clear plan in the U.S. to contain this thing, much less end it, um, is the U.S. attractive right now at this given moment, or is it something that uh, dealer groups here or dealerships here, I maybe in 2021 or 2022 when things get sorted out, or is it just they're buying now no matter what? I, th- I think I think a lot of it has to do with the, the the confidence of the Canadian potential buyer in how soon is this pandemic going to end. All right, I mean, um, it it it's quite likely to end at some point in time, and there will be some return to normalcy. So the question is, how patient can a Canadian investor be, while, for example, the Texas market, which looks rather um, uh, challenging at the present time. How long is it going to take the Texas market to recover, right? Yep. And there's no right answer to that, particularly given I mean, the different political situation in the United States across all the states you know, versus what we're used to a little bit more here north of the border. So what about the other way around? It doesn't seem it happens very often, if at all. Are there any U.S. groups or dealers interested in buying Canadian stores, and why yeah. or why not? Yeah, that that's a, that's a great question, and it's a question that's been asked for maybe twenty years since since the beginning of American consolidation with their five or six public companies like uh, Sonic or AutoNation, whatever. And and the the question was, when are those folks coming to Canada? Uh, because they 
they didn't really. Um, they came a little bit in the, the the truck market, okay, but not in the new vehicle dealership market in any significant um, manner. And I think the reason for that or reasons would be, again, there was still and there still is so much consolidation available south of the border that an American consolidator, he's more comfortable in consolidating close to home, okay, as opposed to in a foreign country. Now, that said, um, it has there have been uh, American consolidators invest in the United Kingdom and in South America, but they just haven't seemed for whatever reason to want to come to Canada en masse. And again, uh, part of it would be it's not it's not perceived to be close to home, but there's also the perception of, you know, we have a funny tax system here. We've got this funny we have this funny um, value added tax called the HST, which would yep. cause our south of the border to scratch their heads on that. <laughs> Do they really want to get into that? Um, some of them, unfortunately, would have a perception of uh, a language issue up here, which I don't I don't share, but some of them down there might. So I think there's a, there's enough reasons there to have caused them to not come north of the border in any significant dollar in any significant dollars so far. And what I'm seeing in the marketplace right now is they have no intention whatsoever on coming here anytime soon. So what are the key factors right now drive driving the buy and sell market given the pandemic? What are what are the things you're most looking at and most driving the sale? Is it folks who are maybe don't have a succession plan or don't have anyone interested in taking over the dealership? Is it the sheer uncertainty of the market right now because of the pandemic? What is the key factor driving um, the sales right now? Okay. Keep in mind, there are, there are transactions haven't stopped, but there aren't a lot of sales. And right okay. now, right now, I, I would, I would add, I would, I would put into that that the, the the key difference of opinion would be on the valuation of goodwill right now. Okay. All right. And that is. Um, a seller or a vendor, many of them would still have in their minds their pre-COVID valuation multiple of what their goodwill was worth pre-COVID. Um, and on the buyer side, there's the, uh, the, the, the different opinion now on what that valuation is worth in a post-COVID world. So, right? the, so but, the pandemic has really become a wedge between the two sides. Yes, that's the answer to that is yes. There is a significant delta on on valuations out there right now. Now, again, don't get me wrong; it hasn't frozen the market. It hasn't stopped. It's just slowing it down tremendously. There still are some deals here and there that are quite slowly moving towards the finish line, but in terms of the, the raw numbers, they're down significantly. And I, I think, um, again, this. What will resolve that would be, again, if there's a vaccine, anything that puts the confidence back into consumers, whereby our new car volumes go back towards the, the you know, where they were pre-COVID, um, that will enable the buyers to gain, again, confidence that their return on investment is going to come back to normal. And I think they'll then step up to the plate more than they are right now. So essentially we're seeing current owners say, 
but I've been a successful dealership for so long and I have great numbers. But on the other side of the coin, you have buyers saying, yes, but we are in such uncertain times right now. There's no, there's no telling when you're going to recover from these last three or four months. Is that kind of how the evaluations are being made on either side? Yeah, the, the answer to that is yes. The, the buyers, the, the, the vendors are saying, well, look at my great history for the past five years. Right. And the buyers are saying, great, you did a great job. But that was then and this is now. And I'm not buying your historical earnings. I will buy your future earnings. And right now, those future earnings have certain risks associated with them that's going to cause me to be a little bit more timid when I go to um, buy the store. Is there concern among buyers that um, health and safety will change and add an expense down the road that if I'm the buyer, I'm going to have to pay for those changes? I, I just wonder if that plays in at all, if, if you know there's anything in health and safety or building code or, you know, social distancing remains and I can't operate at um, full capacity. Do those kind of things play into the thinking of the buyer that I'm going to be on the hook for those changes if I buy now? The, I I, I think to a a minor degree, yeah, that's in the back, the backs of their minds. Okay. Uh, Again, I believe though that most of the buyers and most of the market is saying when we climb on top of this pandemic, okay. And it goes away some of these additional costs will also go away. Um, but again, that's that's going to take take some time. Right. You might not have to clean and sanitize a vehicle in 2022 the way you do right now in July 2020. Um, because if there is a vaccine or, or treatment, as you say, it might not be that concerning or as concerning then. Um, that, that, now, something else along the same lines, though, you know, as, as the the business model has been altered um, by the pandemic and that would be online sales. Okay. And the digitalization of, of the stores, both in terms of uh, vehicle purchasing and service bookings and all that stuff. There's a cost to that. And, and that would also be a cost that would be borne by obviously the buyers. Again, hopefully they would look at it from the point of view, they will have a return on investment, but there's a little bit of a risk in terms of, you know, when does that, that take place? So right now, in July, how do you feel about the future of the buy-sell market here in Canada? What do you see? I'm actually, I'm actually confident that it is going to um, return. Um, the the uh, American medical experts, are like Dr. Fauci, uh, seems to be indicating there will be a vaccine later this year, early next year. It's going to take time, though, to get that distributed across the planet. (laughs) Um, Not not just the state, across the planet. I mean, with international travel, right? I mean, that's how it spreads. So it needs to be a global solution. Correct. That's going to, that's going to slow, that'll slow things down. But over time, I think that um, I'm very confident in the automotive mar- the automotive retail market in North America in in general it's it's gone through so much um, and our dealer principles have learned so much uh, that I think it will recover and I guess maybe, maybe want to add to that it's not all gloom and, and doom okay I think the market has overestimated um, the need of smaller or more modest sized dealers or groups to sell. And the reason for that is the market has uh, underestimated clearly the tenacity and the resilience of dealer principles that come to work every day to drive their business. 
I mean, many of them were around in other unfortunate events or like the recession of 1991, uh, 911 in 2001, or the 2008 financial crisis.、Um, and they learned a lot of terrific lessons regarding being nimble, flexible, creative. And they learned it because they're living and lived on the front lines of the economy. Okay. So, this is simply, in my opinion, one more significant challenge that they are going to, quite frankly, survive because they're survivors.、They're, for the most part, they are winners. I, I agree. I think everyone's going to get through this. I think it's going to take some time, but、um, I think the entire industry is, especially in Canada, moving forward and seems to be doing fairly well. We've seen tons of reports that suggest retail sales, at least. Um, continue to be strong despite the pandemic. So、uh, let's hope you're right and that we all get through this and we all get back to normal sooner rather than later.、Uh, Mike, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Great conversation. Greg, again,、uh, pleasure to talk to you and thank you for having me today. No problem at all. Anytime. We reached Mike Lewicki in his home in Toronto. If you want to be a guest or have a suggestion or simply want to comment on the show, email me at g. Layson at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you join us next time. So long, everybody.